to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Straker Translations is a public company on the ASX with the ticker code STG. It's in the business of global translation, and to do that, it uses AI technology software. It has a market capitalization of around 120 million Australian dollars. Its CEO and co-founder is Grant Straker, and he joins me now. Grant, welcome to the program. Hi, Justin. Uh, Great to be here. Okay, what can you tell me about Straker? Uh, Well, I can tell you quite a lot, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into it. The the founder and CEO. But um, look, we're um, we're in the business of of removing the barriers for global communication. So we want to have a free flow of information, ideas, commerce, entertainment. Um, And to do that, you need to remove language as a barrier. And for many businesses, it has been uh, a barrier to to really going global. And so, um, you know, we've got technology which is revolutionising the industry by changing business models inside of this, this huge 50, 50 odd billion dollar industry mm. um, using AI and humans. Okay. When, when, when people talk of AI, they immediately think of, I don't know, the Terminator or robots or something. How, does, how do you use AI in your business? So it, AI ultimately, when you look at it from a commercial outcome viewpoint, is, is in my view, many times about productivity. Mm. So it's about... Yep actually improving productivity so when you think about it in the in the context of localization really what you're doing is you're making the humans that you need for the quality context side of things more efficient so okay. ai in the translation space is doing the heavy lifting it's it's you know you, you can use the google translate analogy yes it's 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 sort of doing a machine pass of of um of of, of a set of you know source language into yep. another language, and then you've got these humans coming in. But in our context, over the last decade, we've been able to build a a platform that uses AI not just for that pass, but to also understand how to make humans go faster, how to get more productive, um, how to improve quality, and how to get much better outcomes for our customers. Mm-hmm. And to give you an example, for um, in, in, in the old world of translation services, you may well needed a, a somebody to do a review. So you might have one translator that does the work and then you have another translator that would do a, a yep. second review. Yep. yep. Now, if you use AI in the way that we do with big data sets, you can actually remove that review because you know historically the quality outcome that you're going to get before you even start because okay. you've analysed the text and you've understood what the text is about at a sort of high level you've been able to understand who the humans are that are working on it and how many issues it might create you've been able to understand how quickly a human should translate that mm-hmm. and then you can figure out what the quality output might be at the other end before you even start now okay. and and for example if you see that the translator goes too fast or or, or much faster than the previous 10,000 jobs that, that you might have done, you could say, well, um, then either the machine has dramatically improved 
or something's going on or something's going on right yep. and so so you can start to do that and you can also start to cost it far more effectively because you, you you're moving things into a per hour basis around how you can um uh, leverage your supply chain rather than a content volume basis which has historically been the way to do it so all of these changes suddenly mean that you've got a far more effective far more productive platform that that you know from a listed company viewpoint means that we can make really good margins but it means that the customers get a much faster service and it's much better value how did the idea grants come about as i understand it you co-founded the business many years ago with your with your wife like where did where did the idea come from uh, well, it certainly wasn't an idea to co-found a business with my wife. Well, it kind of was in some way. But no, so, so for 10 years, we... That's, um, that's another story entirely. Yeah, it's a whole other story, yeah. Um, and three kids later, I guess, yeah, it's, it's yeah. still going. Um, so, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's um, you know, we had a business that was doing multilingual content management. So we okay. were building platforms. So you're in the market, like you sort of roughly... You know, Roughly, that's you what had we, were, idea, we yeah. were in it, but it wasn't our core business. And okay. then we could see the opportunity. Um, and many people could see this opportunity in this space. If I go back a decade, um, many people could see that you know, AI would, would have an impact. Um, and, and the analogy I always use when we started to do this, we started to go to some conferences to try and figure out what the industry was about because we could see it was big and we could see that it would get disrupted. And when was this grant? This was was this like late nineties? No, no, this was. Um, oh no, that was that was our um, our, our old business late nineties. I say our old business, you know, our sort of original uh, content management platform right. business. Yeah, um, that was just we, we had some customers that needed websites to be run in multiple languages, so we built the platform to make that happen. Um, it was only in about two thousand and ten, eleven, where people were asking us. If, because they were using that platform, could we put translation services into their workflows? Okay. Right. Before that, they were kind of doing it in Excel and they were manually loading it and it wasn't a core part of the product, if you like. Um, so we could see that um, AI was definitely going to have an impact on machine learning in particular. Um, and so we said, let's build a platform that leverages that machine learning aspect mm -hmm. um, to, to see how we can... <clears throat> uh, revolutionize you know the way that people do this and yeah when we turned up to conferences what we found was that we were like uber turning up to a taxi conference yeah you're like get these guys out of here i know and everybody we, we were just abused we were just like oh, really yeah surely this is a better way to do it you know and they're like machines aren't going to play any part it's always going to be humans and you guys have got it wrong. It's Get out of here, you rat bags. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. And we were like, well, I don't think we have got it wrong. <laughs> We've got it right. I was, I was going to say, like, you guys are very much ahead of the curve, thinking like that many, many years ago when AI was in its infancy. Correct. No, absolutely. We, we, were, we were one of the very, very first to go, right, we need to build a platform to make this happen. Mm. Uh, and one thing that we realised reasonably early was that the channel to the customers um, was through the ability to offer the translation service. Um, you weren't going to get, and we tried it, you, you weren't going to find that there was all these small translation service providers or some larger ones that you could partner with because they really didn't get the tech side of what you're trying to do. 
and and it meant that they would have to cannibalize part of their existing business to go to a more efficient model. Yeah, um, and and some of them were were creaming it off the customers, right? Because they yep. had this long term quality relationship that the customer mm. was afraid mm. they might lose. Um, so we went right. The way to commercialize our innovation and the channel that we needed to go down was to become a translation agency, even though we were effectively a technology company. Yeah. So, so that's the way that we went about it, and that for us. How'd you was, do, how'd you do that? Did you did you know what uh, to do? <laughs> incredibly painfully, I'd be that. It would. Uh, it was hard. It was. Yeah. Really, really hard. And it's interesting because yeah, you know, when I look at some other people that have sort of tried to do the same thing, maybe a little bit after us and gone, right, yeah, we're going to build a platform. They've taken the classic Silicon Valley approach, right? They've gone, we need to clip the ticket. We need a SaaS model. Yeah. Um, we don't want to be a services company. That's the worst, you know, that's that's not what we want to be. We don't want to offer that. And, and many of those have, have really struggled. Have they? And then you've suddenly yeah. gone, oh, we need to become a services company too. Uh, well late in the piece. So Too, too late. Sometimes. Too late, correct. Yeah. And, 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 and to be fair, we, we bought a company earlier this year, Lingotech, um, and, and that was the approach that they had taken. And, and ultimately, mm. that's why we were able to buy them because right. they, okay. yeah. they hadn't gone and, and done that early enough. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it's yeah, so, so that's what we are, a technology company, but we've, we've, we, we know that um, it's almost like it's, it's not like it's software as a service. It's, it's almost um, service as a, yeah. yeah as a something. As a, yeah, as a service or something, you know. Yeah. Um, because there is an underlying, yeah, because that's what you're you're fundamentally doing. You're using the technology platform to, to give these customers a much better outcome. So on the, so on that ground, you've mentioned some of your customers. Who are some of your your customers or clients or the, like the people who are using uh, the platform? Give us give us a flavour of um, the size and the the scale of all of that. Yeah, so look, you can break this down into several categories i guess you can you can go look you know who are those specific customers so we have got customers like ibm um well that's that's not a bad customer to have no no and it's a it's a big global deal that we we have with them um but but there's lots of manufacturers around the world that we work with um automotive manufacturers like see it for example or volkswagen group uh, those, those type of customers um to, to legal firms, to all sorts of enterprises, to government departments. So, so we have a really big, wide range of customers. Um, yeah. And, and we seg- segment them into three different categories, which is large enterprise customers, what we would call business mid-tier customers. Um, you sort of, I wouldn't say SME, but th- that business size, and then your smaller transactional type customers. Um, and we, we have around about 50 of what we'd call enterprise, which are Customers spending more than, say, a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Yes, with us and and, you know, and these are these are these are global big, big companies. Correct. Yeah. Yep. And then and then you've got the you know around about two hundred and fifty what I'd call these business mid customers and and then you know thousands of these smaller, um, customers. How do they find you? How do they know? Hey, I've got to go to these striker guys. They're they're good. Um, yep. So historically, we built up a solid base, um, you know, through online and, and, and doing mm-hmm. marketing sort of tools and conferences. Uh, we've acquired a number of companies okay. over the years and, yep. and we've acquired them for their customer base. So we've been able to get a um, regional relationship 
with a with a global enterprise and then make that a, a global relationship. <clears throat> um, yeah. So that that's another way that we've been able to acquire these customers. Uh, COVID pre COVID, we, we we had a, a really big uh, marketing campaigns, or well, we had a number of really big marketing campaigns lined up, and obviously COVID um, was a distraction to those campaigns. So we yes. had partnered for a while. I was going to ask you, Grant, how has COVID um, and its impacts um, affected your business? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's a bit of a mixed bag mm, in terms yeah. of. Uh, you know, our, our industry has has gone really well through COVID. Um, yeah, okay. Like a lot of industries, I think you know, there's all sorts of uh, people have changed the way that they work, and as they've changed the way that they work globally, there's been a demand for them to have to do different levels of translation and localization, for example. Um, uh, so that's you know, that's been a positive in some sectors, and other sectors, it's 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 been hard to do things like this new business marketing. So when you bring when you when you bring on a big enterprise customer, what is it that you're helping them with? What does your technology help them solve? Yeah. So look, if you if well, there's two things. So so one, if you look at the structure of the industry, the way that many of these companies have worked in the past is uh, these large enterprises have have, have managed their supply chain around um, localization has been to use multiple different suppliers in different markets. So they might have had an agency they worked with in Japan, one that they worked with in Germany, one that they worked with in Italy, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so what, what, what these companies are doing now, like everything, they're reviewing their supply chains, as COVID um, made everybody do, actually, but they were doing it before that and going, like, how do we get more of a technology-based approach to automation because mm. we need to get to market faster? So then they're looking for a technology solution that helps automate more. And then they're also looking for a supplier that's big enough and global enough to actually provide all of the languages that they need. Right. They don't have to, because they're getting no efficiencies if they're using different agencies and different countries. You're right. You're right. And it's slow, I would imagine, or slower. That's right. And then they're they're having to have internal people manage stuff. And, And so they just want to go and say, look, we, we, we want all this pain taken away. We, we want to have uh, one supplier who's big enough. Now, sometimes there might be a couple of suppliers, but they need to be big enough to do you know, multiple languages. Um, mm. And I guess we sit in the sweet spot where we've got the technology there. You can do it all. And we're big enough, right, to, to do it. Um, so if we're big enough for IBM to do a global agreement with them, we're big enough for anybody, uh, frankly. Um, yeah. So that, that's, that's what they're after from a sort of supplier base. And then, you know, the other part is that they're after getting efficiency. So mm. many, AI is a buzzword, but it's also something that I think many corporates are looking at as a way to, again, get productivity in. So they are looking for that productivity enhancing um, technology that, that, that we yeah. offer um, that then uh, can lower their, you know, their cost base. It can help with um, them actually being able to do more. So they might keep their budget the same, but actually be able to do more languages and be able to go deeper with some of their products into different markets. So um, that's what we find ultimately uh, customers are looking for. It's um, it's interesting you mentioned before the the Uber v. Taxi debate. So that, um, that debate now largely, I think, is 
is over. People have accepted these new entrants into the market. Is Was one of the criticisms of your tech early on was, well, it won't be as accurate. Uh, people need these jobs. What are you doing? We don't need technology. And and by and large now, that that debate is over as well. Yeah, I think originally you're 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 right on the money there that quality was a big yeah issue yeah, yeah. Uh, and so people would have these relationships locked in over many years and they'd have this internal sort of database or corpus of translation terms and they would have worked with these customers to to give them the quality but then they would have them locked in and then charge them a fortune, um, and so what you found is that with technology like ours, where you're able to input all these glossaries and terms and put them into an interface that, that links them up with the human translator and resolves all those sorts of issues in real time, mm. quality now, you can get a much better outcome doing what we do. Than really? You is that right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, and, yeah. It's, and, it, and it's faster and it's cheaper. Correct. So quality is no longer the, the, the argument. And, and also a, a lot of the formats change, right? So, in the old days, you might have gone through lots of steps because you were going to produce a report that was going to be in a hardbound printed material, right? Nowadays, yes. it's going to be on the web. It's going to be in an app. It's, it's just going to be in a different format that you can quickly change if there was a little um, something that was needed. As a public company, what, is, what are some of the challenges uh, you face, Grant, as a, as a CEO trying to keep all the plates spinning at the same time? Um, yeah, look, I, you do face challenges, but I guess that's about the structure that you put in place to resolve them. So you know, we were lucky before COVID. We weren't mm. lucky. We were... Um, good planning. Good planning, correct, correct. That that I could see that we needed to run as we kept, um, as we bought a few companies, as we'd sort of grown and we had all these teams around the world, we needed to implement a structure of um, independent businesses that were part of a global group. So you've got leverage from the global systems, but you've got individual yes. many businesses, if you like, in each market where people are independent to make the decisions that they needed to make. So, so we have a system called business units. And, and so they will, they will leverage global services. That might be finance, for example, is a global service. It might yep. be our production Makes capacity. Sense. It's our technology platform. They're all global. But on the, on the ground, you might have maybe customer service in a specific market you might, you know, obviously have sales in that market and you're going to have these um, uh, sort of on the ground. And, and so we, we, we put in owners, we have what we call business unit owners who then run that region. For example, let's just say the, the you know, German region in, in Europe, you'd have somebody there, they're the owner, they've got their own P&L, they're responsible for what's going on and to drive the revenue and the outcomes, but they're also part of the global group. Mm. Um and then we have a yeah, so so that that's one way that you kind of reduce the number of plates you have to look after. <laughs> um, and the other is 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 yeah, just getting all of the right people um, in the right places and having the right leaders. And again, we we had done that, uh, for example, before COVID, and COVID probably highlighted if you hadn't done that, you're in a world of hurt. Yeah, because you couldn't travel and sort of solve a lot of problems. So um, that that's one. I mean, you, you obviously have a different. Um, Rima, you, you've obviously got investor relations and things like releasing your 4C and, and having to manage all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, you caught, you, I saw your quarterlies just um, not long come out. Yes, out this morning. So um, 
again, um, I think we were we were getting close to, to, to possibly not having to do quarterlies anymore. Mm. Um, uh, if, you, if you have, you know, um, a few, uh, a few quarters of, of cash flow positive, so we're a little bit off this this quarter, but not mm. far. And so I think yep. we're certainly, um, you know, we're there or thereabouts, but. Again, you know, I'm, I'm I'm happy to update investors and get certainly the activities report around all, all the good things that we have going on, yeah. and in a COVID world, it makes a lot of sense, I think, to to just keep people engaged. So, so I mean, back to your original question there, I think one of the the big it's not so much keeping all the plates spinning. I, I, I think one of the big jobs you've got as a listed company is is ensuring people are aligned with the long term vision because. Mm. Things go up and down in cycles. Of course, of course um, they do. Yeah. And, and, you, and, and what we've found with our business is we go up, we kind of plateau for a little bit while we you know, assimilate that, that bit of growth, and then we go up again as we as we look for the next bit. And so, um, and, and we deliver on that next. So, so it's about just making sure people understand that ultimately we're in a 50-odd billion dollar industry. We have fantastic technology. We're doing all the right things to get us there. Um, yep. And we've got the right framework. And so over time, all of that will start to play out. And, and you know, part of the quarterly, we, we just raised, um, you know, $25 million. Okay. So we've got nice. a really strong balance sheet. Great. Um, and, and now, and, and there was timing that we could have, you know, there was, when when did we do it? What did we do it? You know, what, but what that's done for us is given us cards to play as the world comes out of COVID and all sorts of opportunities will start to appear. Okay. So with, with that, with that fresh runway, what a, what are your planned uses of, of funds? Yeah, so look, so there's a few things. I mean, we've we've got some some of these um, organic campaigns that that we're running opportunities to really start to um, leverage, say, our IBM Global Agreement in terms of that as a case study for other large global companies. To do that, we needed to increase our global sales team, um, yeah, enterprise level sales team, which which we've done. So that's part of what we've been doing. Uh, we still see some acquisition opportunities in the market. COVID's, uh, yeah, you know, certainly, certainly shaken the tree in that respect. Has it? So, yeah, um, you know, we, we we are engaged in conversations with a range of of acquisition opportunities. Side side question on that: How do you, without obviously going into um, uh, specific details, Grant? How do you identify those potential opportunities? Yeah, look. So it, it's it's generally from a, a an inbound. There's brokers around the world. There's, yes. there's we're well known in the industry. So if somebody's looking to sell, people find us. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so we'll get inbound opportunities. Well, one thing we did try for a while was was a real strong outreach. Yeah, we, we, we've got a database of every translation company in the world, and we sort of segmented and went after. Look, let's look at these guys and these guys, and and let's see what we can do. What what we found is if if you if they're not for sale, it's a hard conversation and it just takes a long time. So yeah. with those ones, we're better off saying, hey, look, if you're interested at some point. We're here. We're Otherwise, we're good luck. Here. Yep, we'll yep. move on. But the ones that are inbound, you know they're for sale. You know you can have a conversation. Um, yeah, okay. And, and and if there's a match, we're interested. In, and we and we we do know what, what we're looking for. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's a number of of attributes to an acquisition that we, we want to tick the box on mm. um, and you won't get all of them right at every one. So <laughs> yeah. you, you, you just got to sort of mix and match and, and decide which one's going to be the best fit. Is it a competitive market grant? 
Uh, it is a little bit at the moment, actually. It's got yeah. a little bit competitive. Um, but but again, um, what you find is that somebody might might do an acquisition and then that's consumed them. And I mean, there's twenty odd thousand language service providers out in the world, so there's a mm. lot of targets to, mm. to look at. Um, so, so in terms of the market for acquisitions, it's a, it's it's it, it, it goes up and down, just depending. In terms of our market in general, there are a lot of other competitors. But again, if you if you wanted to get is it is it competitive at the space that we operate at and and, and our ability to deliver, I would say, um, you know, there's not many. What what our challenge is and what we're focused and trying to use this capital for is. Mm that as we can get in front of more of these larger enterprises and have the conversation around what they're doing, you find that our offering is significantly improved. And again, you can go back to the taxi Uber argument, right? If you need to get a taxi at 3 a.m. and you live out where I do and the birds a little bit, it can be really, really hard. It's tough. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you don't do it, right? But getting an Uber now is quite easy. And you can track um, them and the text there and yeah and well they're just available right mm. and so so you they've got a strong competitive offering and I think that's where we sit is really in this um, when you need automation when you need tech when you need to um, reduce your costs and, and and everything else so so we've done some, like one of the things that's in our quarterly is we've just got ISO um, twelve hundred and one certification which is the security standard. Or twenty-seven. Yep. I can't remember. I get the number right. I think it's twenty-seven double zero one, which is which is a global um, standard for information security. It's the latest one. It's incredibly hard to get. It's taken us more than a year to get that certification. Yeah. Okay. And what does that mean? What does that certification mean? Well, it means that when you go into tenders now, it becomes uh, um, have you got the certification to win the tender? Right? right. Okay. You won't be on the list. And so what you find is only certain companies that are big enough to get that level of certification are going to be on that tender list. So it gives you and, a, and a competitive are, leg up. Yeah, and there are not many in our industry. Mm, right. So, nice. so all of a sudden, you've made a big separation between us and a lot of the other companies. Um, so, um, you know, so that, that again just starts to reduce it. And, and the reason we can do it is because we have centralised all our systems into a AI-driven platform that allows us to solve a lot of those issues that others can't solve. Yeah. Where are your strongest markets, Grant? Um, well, Europe and the US for sure. They're, yeah. they're our really strong uh, markets. Um, you know, what we're seeing at the moment is probably post-COVID, Europe sort of steady, um, but but starting to see some opportunities. We recently just um, hired uh, you know, a leading industry um, new business guy in, in um, Holland. A guy called Eric Mulder is is a fantastic guy I've known for a number of years, um, so he's driving our new business in that part of Europe and that northern Europe. Now, what we're finding is, in in Amsterdam in particular, um, a lot of the companies from Brexit are setting up there, so there's all sorts of opportunities coming around that that sort of Benelux region, and then, um, mm. but but Europe overall is pretty static. We're seeing the US as a far more dynamic um, place at the moment. And so, so what um, what markets are you hoping to um, to gain a stronger hold of a, a stronger market share in in the next little while? Yeah, look, I, I I think just in general, in 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 sort of 
certainly manufacturing and things like that in the US, we, we see a mm-hmm. strong opportunity. Yep. Um, uh, Japan is a market that we, we see some opportunity in. Uh, we have a team up in Japan and we, we can mm-hmm. really see some, the right investment up there would drive um, so, some good outcomes. Uh, and then, yeah, Northern Europe, that, that Bernie Lux and, 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 and into Northern Europe, we, we could see some opportunities. Um, the UK is also buoyant. So, um, There's a little bit of everything, yeah. A little, yeah, it is really. I mean, that's our business. I mean, obviously, we're still strong in Asia Pack as well. Yeah. Um, so very much just wanting to drive growth and and and, and be you know, focused on, on specific industries in particular. Where we know we can we can drive our solution and well, just finally, Grant, what's your what's your message to to your um, your shareholders, your investors in the stock who um, have been hanging in there? What's what's your message to them to to say to look forward to over the next six to twelve to to twenty four months? What can they expect? Yeah, well, I mean, I think if you go back to um, you know our year end, obviously we've got this IBM. Um, global deal, which has been very strong. Well, yeah, I, yeah. You know, I, I think that's obviously a transformational deal that we're starting to see come through, um, which is really exciting. Um, so, so they'll expect to see more of that play out, and and some more opportunities come off the back of that. I think that's going to be a big thing for us. Um, we're obviously given guidance of um, you know, more than fifty million in revenue. So, again, that's sort of benchmarking. Um, where we think we're going to head to. Um, we've got um, a SaaS side to our business. So we, as I said, we bought Lingotech. They have a SaaS business model. Okay. It's delivering yeah. about 5 million of SaaS revenue. Nice. Uh, we're, we're looking to expand our SaaS offering across the group. Um, and again, we're not going to become a 100% SaaS company, but yep. Yep. 20% of our revenue ended up being SaaS revenue. We'd happy be days. Happy. Yeah. Right. So, 10 to 20 percent and we are running out some campaigns and we think and certainly i'm i'm actually leading that part of it uh, with, with the group and i'm i'm very comfortable with what we're going to do around the, the SaaS offering i think there is a, a market opportunity for us and and we're going to drive some investment and outcomes in there so i, I think there there are a couple of um things and then and then the m a so um you know i, I want to get the right m a opportunity we've got a range sort of uh on our plate at the moment um and i want to take the right one for the right reasons mm. at the right time so i'm, I'm not going to rush that just to sort of you know tick a, tick a, tick a box, box yeah. get some growth at a certain time but um you know if we get the right one where we know we can get really strong operating leverage out of our technology it's going to give us uh, the, the you know some, some inroads into some big global customers um and it's at a fair price i think um you know investors will really like that so yeah the right m a the ibm story and enterprise growth and, and then the SaaS are the three things i think well there's a lot to look forward to there and we will uh, stay tuned with much interest grant straker from straker translations Many thanks for coming on to the program today and we wish you well into the future. Thank you. Thanks, Justin.